Here's some music from John DeGarmo and the Bluesberries Jam. You gotta do right if you wanna get along in this world. You gotta do right if you wanna get along in this world. When you do right, people will trust you.
said, please don't call me on the phone. And if you see my lights are burning, keep on going. I never knew you just pretend that I'm not home. Cause you lied and you cheated since the day you met me.
Folks, this is the Common Thread Collective here. I'm Global Val, and uh, here at MutinyRadio.fm, San Francisco. And it is Friday, September 1st, and we have a really special call on the phone from our friend Lucid. Um, Lucid's called in before um, when he was going down to help after the hurricanes and floods in Louisiana about a year or so ago, and he is now in Houston. I just called him a Houston humanitarian, uh, cleaning, helping after Hurricane Harvey. So, Lucid, welcome back to the Common Thread Collective. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to talk to you again. Absolutely. Yeah, Diamond Dave is still uh, working his way down to the station, so he won't be on the conversation with us right now. But um, how are you doing down there? What's the what's the situation? Well, I just pulled in uh, last night. I'm ahead of the buses. We have uh, two buses on their way down with uh, 20,000 pounds of kitchen gear, and I beat them by a few days to try to survey the situation and see uh, what was going on and maybe some of the best places to set up and start feeding. Wow, because um, I know before you had the shine. It's a, is it still the Shining Light Kitchen? So the Shining Light Kitchen was this. Uh, it, it had come out of Rainbow for a long. Tension was it with it was to create a, an aid organization, and uh, that has finally come to fruition. And it's uh, officially called Altruist Relief, and it uh, has a website up and running, altruistrelief.org, and we're uh, almost uh, have our nonprofit certification. That's so really the, the exciting. The school yeah. buses and the twenty thousand pounds of gear with uh, ten or twelve people coming down this way are uh, 
uh, an official aid organization that's kind of sprouted out of uh, uh, testing grounds of rainbow gatherings. Wow. Yeah, it seems like the rainbow gathering kind of plants a lot of seeds um, that grow into these new things. So how, how did you get down to Houston? What was the situation? Um, kind of what, what did it look like when you arrived? Um, a lot of the floodwaters are starting to recede in places that had recently um, been deluged because we got uh, 20 trillion gallons of water fell on Houston, which is the equivalent of the Great Salt Lake falling from the sky twice onto Houston. So it was the biggest flooding event ever recorded in North America, apparently, they're saying. Wow. um, That floodwater had had started to recede, but right now where I'm at in western Houston, um, there's still some floodwater, but they just issued another mandatory evacuation because they're going to uh, let some water out of the reserves out uh, upstream and it's going to reflood uh, these places in western Houston that are just now starting to have the flood water recede it's going to reflood those areas for up to two more weeks wait so how do, how does how did how did that work again so the, it's receding but it's also coming back so it, the, the actual the rains are going away and the hurricane moved and the water itself is receding but now the the reservoir upstream from these some of these places, oh. apparently they're saying is over full, or they need to let a controlled release out from this reservoir. Oh. So they just, as of this morning, issued a mandatory evacuation for some parts of western Houston, anywhere that currently that had just had flood water that is just now receding from the flood water. They're saying that that those people should evacuate again because they will get another dose of this water coming out of the reservoir for up to two more weeks. Right, the overflow from the reservoirs that need to be released. Wow, so it's a, it's a whole second wave. Yeah, for those people uh, in western Houston, it'll end up being uh, nearly a month that they were uh, uh, unable to, to get into their homes at all to start cutting or rebuilding. And so... Um, with the the kitchen supplies that are that are on the way, right from Altruist Relief, right. That's the yeah. the new the, the group that that's formed and and becoming a nonprofit. Um, so, um, in terms of of what you've been doing in the meantime, waiting for that to happen, what's been going on? Well, it's back up to Standing Rock. We got to Standing Rock uh, during the night of the water cannon incident, and then we left just a couple of days for the. Uh, a veteran from all over the country uh, and during that three weeks we were living in a teepee in 20 below and uh, we had brought seven teepees up to Standing Rock for water protectors to live in and everything yeah. and then uh, after leaving um, Standing Rock within a really short ter- time my girl to work in uh, Syrian refugee camps off the coast of Turkey to assess the viability of setting altruist relief up as an as a refugee camp um, in Turkey for the people coming out of the Middle East. We spent about a month over there um, interviewing people and working in uh, UN refugee camps to assess uh, how easy it would be to set this whole project up over there, a duplicate of it. And then we came over and as soon as we got back from uh, Europe, we started uh, preparing the, the current gear. Uh, just built. Uh, we built the world's largest teepees, actually, according to Guinness Book, to house the kitchen inside of. And then we uh, uh, deployed them at, uh, at the Rainbow Gathering to test the whole thing out. 2,000 square foot teepees that are 50 feet wide 
and uh, wow, this system of industrial wood stoves inside of it, so that it blends out with stove sack, but it can cook a hundred of food simultaneously in the system of industrial stoves using only renewable resources inside the world's largest teepee. Lucid, you never cease to amaze me. Um, you know, and the, the way that you talk about everything, it's like this is how it just came together. Um, but uh, honestly, it's really amazing uh, the work that that you and your your girlfriend and your friends, uh, the community is doing. Um, wow! Thank you. So, um, and thank you so much. I mean, I think it's really important that that we talk about it because there are so many. Um, you know, aid organizations that um, are, are trying to help, but a lot of folks see a lot of holes, a lot of gaps in in that um, in that really in those relief efforts, and the fact that yeah. c- communities are coming together, you know, individuals and and independent communities are coming together to try to help mitigate the the fallout the that these people who live there are experiencing. And I'm really trying to take that into consideration. A lot of this uh, public sentiment about aid organizations after things like, um, you know, the Red Cross does a lot of good around the world, but we a lot of people saw them raise a half a billion dollars for Haiti, and then it just evaporated and they had nothing to show for the, the, the effort. And so a lot of people are feeling this kind of general frustration with uh, aid organizations and like their donation kind of falls into a black hole. And so I was trying to model this with that in mind, with a, a policy of radical transparency, both logistically and financially. So like with the use of this YouTube channel that you've, you've played different times, I can show what we're doing physically so people can see what we're doing. But then I also show the money that comes in and I match it against like the receipts that we spend so that a person could go in and see their name, their, their initials, registering their name, the donation and the date and feel like they could match that with the receipts and know what their money was doing so that there's a sense of like accountability where if somebody donates it's like they're participating in an organization's efforts to help people affected by different natural disasters rather than throwing coins into a wishing well and having really no idea what that money had accomplished so i'm trying to keep that general sentiment in mind and and keep an eye on logistic transparency so that I'm offering people a way of like participating in the organization. I think that's so important. Yeah, um, because I think when you have situations like this where people say, "Well, I want to help," so here you go, and then kind of turn around and don't ever really see where it goes. But I also know that there are a lot of people who want to know that that money's going somewhere and and where it's going, and that it's directly affecting people and helping people. Um, how would you? kind of compare the situations of um, last summer in Louisiana uh, after the hurricanes down there to what's going on in Houston right now? Well, this this situation in Houston is really interesting in the sense that they're uh, projecting it to be as large as the response to Katrina and Sandy combined. Uh, It's an area the size of Delaware that was flooded but with a population three times the size of Manhattan. So six million people were affected. And right now, currently in uh, Houston, 32,000 people are in shelters, are in evacuation shelters. I just went to the largest one of them about an hour ago and uh, managed to make my way in uh, to the, the George R. 
uh, Brown Convention Center in the middle of Houston, 9,000 people in this convention center sleeping on cots and things. But it was just one of dozens upon dozens of uh, shelters. The sheer scale of this um, in, in terms of the amount of water, the amount of damage, the numbers, uh, the money that it will take to rebuild it, the people that are displaced, just in sheer scale, it's, it's unparalleled in, a, in American history, apparently, the analysts are saying. So um, last year, it was a wide swath of flooding, maybe a 100-mile-wide swath, but it was largely like bayou or um, open kind of shrub forest and then lots of neighborhoods. And not to downplay what happened last year, because 80,000 homes were affected last year. It was just an incredible um, catastrophe. It was the eighth 500-year flood in a year and a half that happened last year. But this, this thing they're calling a 10,000-year flood that happened in Houston uh, affected the fourth largest city, fell directly onto the fourth largest city in America. And like I said, it was like the, the Great Salt Lake fell from the sky twice in a period of four days onto the fourth largest city. So just an unimaginable amount of impact. Uh, economically, and then just through the lives of the people that are here. So just assessing the scale and the, the areas where we can get in and actually be effective in itself is a huge challenge. And what about you and and the the folks that you're with right now? How are you? How are you all uh, keeping keeping yourselves uh, fed and and ready to ready to help other people? Well, I think the fed part is easy because we have just barrels and barrels of food on the bus. Fantastic. Um, but I, I think the, the ready part is probably good, too, because a lot of us have been working together for four or five years and in pretty difficult conditions, uh, traveling across the country. Some of us living in 20 below and teepees and standing rock. Um, as I said, we were living in airports on the way over to work in refugee camps. Yeah. And uh, we've been setting up in remote locations in the forest where we'll have to move gear a mile into the woods and things. So I think that we're, we're through a lot of the uh, events happened over the past few years and some of the situations that we put ourselves into, I think we're in a really good place to be able to kind of hunker down and take a long-term approach to helping some of the more disadvantaged communities in Houston that were probably having a lot of hardships before the floods even hit. And what kind of long-term approaches um, do you reference? Well, um, like initially there's the, the emergency services, like people are being rescued from the floods and they need food and water instantly because they don't have a kitchen and things like that. Mm-hmm. So um, those emergency services are really important, but on the long term, the floodwaters recede and then people go back to their house and their houses, at least from uh, chest level down generally, are destroyed and they have to throw away their furniture and they pull out their carpeting and tear out the sheetrock and completely gut their houses to prevent from catastrophic mold and further structural deterioration. So that process is just an incredibly long event. Eighty percent of the people in Houston were uninsured. So it's... Wow, 80 percent. The house is still standing, but virtually everything inside of it is waste and it needs to be gutted and, and reconstructed. So that process leaves people in a vulnerable position where they aren't able to work, maybe their job was even um, put out of commission, 
or they have to put a tremendous amount of time into redoing their house without having basic amenities or their food storages were destroyed. So in that kind of way, having a kitchen set up on the long term can really uh, relieve the economic stresses put on people after these kind of catastrophes. Right, because they're so they're, they they have so many things that they need to take care of that doesn't have the the everyday normal things like how am I going to cook a meal and feed my family or, or myself. Um, so it's it's really amazing and, and a beautiful thing that you're down there with the group Altruist Relief, um, and I really want to encourage people to check out your website. I'm looking at it right now, altruistrelief.org. You can donate to to the efforts that you're hearing about right now down in Houston to help uh, regroup and the and and help the folks after suffering from Hurricane Harvey. My goodness. And, and if mm-hmm. people uh, want to donate and want to participate in the organization, they can subscribe to the Lucid Lorax YouTube channel, and then they can follow along with exactly what we're doing, seeing our efforts and how we're going about it, some of the challenges that we face. And then I'll show also the money that we generate in donations, and then I'll show the receipts that we spend so that people can follow along in exactly what we're doing with all of our donations and with all of our time and energy. Absolutely. And I really want to encourage our listeners to do so. If, if we've got new listeners out there or folks who were listening and tuning in a, a year ago, um, the, the, the videos that you post on um, the Lucid Lorax YouTube channel are really, really great videos. Like when you actually, Lucid, were the first person who ever told me about what was happening with Dapple and Standing Rock. So, I mean, you you kind of seem to, you know, be right on the cutting edge of, of, of what's happening and, and are able to uh, do the research, succinctly describe what's happening, do visual things on, on these short videos. It's kind of like mini documentaries that you, that you produce. Um, so I hope that people who are listening go out and, and check out some of the things that you've already done. Um, and I know there's a lot of good folks out there who want to help. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm really trying to present some sort of uh, deep understanding of what's happening to people that maybe uh, aren't able to get underneath the mainstream news. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to uh, show some videos of what it's like in these concentration of uh, these refugee camps of people coming over from the Middle East and and some of the the frontline battles against uh, uh, environmental terrorism that these oil companies are undergoing. So I really appreciate that. Uh, that analysis because i i'm putting my my effort into trying to be where it's important and shed light on on some of the important issues well that's that's the word right here we're trying to shed light on uh, and be light and and do the good things and that that you know need to be done um so certainly thank you for for all your great work um thank you very much for your great work too i really appreciate this platform it's a, an amazing way of uh, spreading the information spreading the awareness Happy to be here and, and, and uh, you know, kind of honored to, to be able to have this space here at Mutiny Radio here in San Francisco to, uh, pr- you know, provide the platform so that we could spread this news, the good news uh, coming out of the bad news uh, around the planet on the Internet. Um, did you want to talk at all about your experience in Turkey in the refugee camps? Because to me, that's been a, a big focus of mine over the past couple of years now it sounds terrible to to have to count years in that um in that this wave of of human migration folks leaving not only syria um but 
but other countries like Yemen and and different parts of North Africa, especially, um, what what was something that you either brought to that or took away from that time? Yeah, so I I, um, I just covered that in two videos recently on the channel. Oh, great. Um, the first one was an interview with a teenager who had escaped Afghanistan after his parents were killed by the Taliban and spent two years traveling across the Middle East and then getting a boat over the Aegean to Lesbos, Greece, where he ended up in this uh, refugee camp. And um, he, he talked about his journey coming over there, but also was able to act as a translator and, and introduce us to the island. So we got a job in one of the UN camps. There's three camps on this island that I talk about. One of them is Karatepe. It's a family camp run by the UN. It's men, women, and children. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the one that myself and my girlfriend worked in uh, to kind of assess how the UN was running it. Mm -hmm. this, this teenager that I'm referring to stayed in Moria, which is a men's refugee camp just for single men. Right. And then the third refugee camp was a set of abandoned warehouses run by anarchists. <laughs> and they had habited these abandoned warehouses and poached electricity and water from the grid and then provided shelter for hundreds of the overflow from the men's refugee camp. Because the men's refugee camp with like double chain link razor wire fences was run like a prison oh with God, people yeah. living in tents in the yard. And people could yeah. come and go freely, but they had to live there. They couldn't get jobs. And it was uh, bad enough conditions that people were happy to be able to go and live in these abandoned warehouses in tents run by these anarchists it's called no borders kitchen it was a really like wonderful thing to see such a free form refugee camp put on so one of the things that i had noticed was that um just through their own effort of these several people with just low amounts of income they were able to provide a really good situation, and I showed this in one of the videos, mm -hmm. for people to be able to live there and cook their traditional foods and have like a higher level of dignity than they were able to obtain mm -hmm. in the Moria men's camp. Yeah. But one of the really interesting things that I, the kind of overarching things that I realized from talking to this, this teenager from Afghanistan is that each of the refugees in Greece receives 90 euros a month from the United Nations. So it's a really small amount of money because they're, they're getting food in other ways, a meager amount of food from the refugee camp, but it's, it's supposed to be kind of supplemental on some level. Uh -huh. But the, what's ended up happening is that the men, women, and children from the Karatepe family camp are relatively assured on some sort of realistic time frame of making it deeper into the European Union, huh. of being granted asylum. Yeah. But the men in the Moria men's refugee camp are being held there basically indefinitely. Right. Yeah, because so many of the, the policies that we see across the world right now in the United States and in a lot of European countries who have been already taking in so many people is that, okay, we'll take the women and children, we'll take the families, but there's so sure. many men who, you know, either they're not trusted or they're, or they're undervalued, um, and they do. They, they kind of like get into this cycle of just being caught up in a system where nobody will take them or they can't, yeah. And, you know, to some degree, it's, it is harder for men to get into the European Union, but it had gotten shut down just recently by the Grecian government. And it, it seems like it's because they're trying to keep 
this 90 euros a month from the United Nations flowing into the Grecian economy because they're suffering from such economic disparity. Huh. And one of the examples, the, the really striking examples of that, was that a Canadian ship came and docked off the coast of Greece and offered the men's camp 2,000 euros each to buy these refugees and give them citizenship, to give them asylum in Canada. Whoa. And they were turned down, saying, no, we want 6,000 euros each. Oh, my God. So Canada had come to buy these people's freedom and give them these men, these single men, and give them asylum in Canada, and Greece turned them down, wanting more money. So you can calculate how long Greece intends to keep these men as a stimulus package. Just It's kind of like the Matrix. They're just holding on to them so this energy can flow through them from the United Nations. So it was a really complex, difficult situation with a lot of different facets uh, happening uh, on this one island. Wow, and all these people being caught in the middle. That's incredible. Um, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go watch your videos, your recent videos, Lucid, the Lucid Lorax on YouTube, and, and check in. And I hope that if you get a chance to give us a call next week, Um, to give us an update, let us know what's happening, if the, the kitchen showed up and what's been going on. Um, we'd love to continue to get updates from you um, and, and all of the amazing work that you're doing on the ground, but also as basically a, a, an independent journalist um, to, to, to bring the, the realities, the situations to light, to give voices to the folks, like you're saying, like that teenager Who, um, you know, who may otherwise not have, you know, have anybody to, to tell the story to and to, to really examine what's happening. Because as you were saying, we've got to get beneath and deeper than what the superficial uh, mainstream media will say or even just ignore and not even mention. Um, so, um, again rock on lucid <laughs> thank you thank you so much I, i i love to be able to talk to you i look forward to calling again soon fantastic well we'll be here next friday here at mutinyradio.fm san francisco on the common thread collective and um yeah we'll i'll be posting the altruistrelief.org website on our facebook page after the show uh, to let people know where they can donate or volunteer or get involved in some way and um thank you for the work that you're doing and please uh the folks that you interact with down there in houston who are suffering please send them our love and 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 peaceful wishes from san francisco and know that we're thinking about them and uh and uh happy that you're there Thank you very much. I look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Lucid, thanks so much for calling. Right on, folks. Uh, this is the Common Thread Collective, where we cast that wide net, find the common thread, let life flourish, and don't panic. Just keep it organic, much like Lucid on his journey. Um, Uh, to, to help people around the country, around the world, and to connect the dots and to inform. And um, it's so great to, to have him be a part, uh, a correspondent for this show. Um, so I want to play a little music here It's that uh, I think is fitting. We like to play this song once in a while because um, when you start to try to change things, uh, you got to start right at home.
That's right. The revolution starts now, right now, here uh, in your own heart, in your own backyard. Hey, I just want to make a plug for your own backyard. You know, it's a great time here in California, at least. Um, We're very fortunate to have kind of a year-round growing season. So uh, fall crops, folks, uh, get it in the ground. Keep them nice and and watered and uh, grow your own organic fruits and vegetables, especially vegetables. They're really pretty simple. Um, I am not a, uh, an expert or super green thumb myself, but I've grown many gardens. Um, it's pretty much as simple as getting a, a little bit of dirt together, a little, little, little happy soil from your local um, gardening shop. Maybe some organic soil. That'd be nice. That'd be preferable. And uh, some seeds. And uh, you can grow your own garden in a space the size of your TV. Um, I recommend greens, things you can grow like chard or spinach, um, uh, carrots. If you've got a a deeper planting box, you can grow some carrots, beets, um, all sorts of things. Herbs. I I personally have never had too much luck with herbs, but maybe I'm just not a very good plant caretaker. Um, (laughs) I, I, you know, I have a cactus and I co-own a cat. So, you know, I'm not like the, 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 the super on top of it, um, nurturer, but, um, growing greens is not that hard and, uh, you can get organic heirloom seeds from 
almost anywhere uh, if you have a local garden shop even some of the bigger stores have uh, organic heirloom seeds as well and um, there's really nothing quite like pulling a carrot out of the ground and you're like oh my god I just grew that and you know thank you nature and then you can eat it and it's so uh, rich in flavor and nutrients and uh, it didn't travel you know thousands or hundreds of miles on a truck it wasn't wrapped in plastic um, it's just ready to eat so um, if you have never gardened before and you're thinking well no nah, I mean I don't know if I could do that I don't really live anywhere with that get yourself a, a planter box and you know an easy thing that you could grow is potatoes we all do it. You go to the store, you buy potatoes, you eat some of them, and then a couple weeks later you realize that all the eyes are growing out of these potatoes. All you need to do is get a flower pot. It doesn't need to be totally deep, but kind of wide, and throw your potatoes in there, the eyes, cover it with dirt. You're going to get some green plants. When the plants die, and you got to wait for that, when the plants finally die, that's when you dig up and you've got new potatoes. So um, pretty simple. Just keep it kind of watered. You know, don't let it get dried out. Don't overwater it. You know, these are things you can water every couple of days and you're still going to be fine. They're going to be alive. Um, but, you know, this is, this is the future. Uh, this is the way we need to be. And if you end up amazing yourself with some sort of huge garden patch, give it away, folks. Just share. Um, because uh, somebody's going to want to eat that great healthy food that you're growing, and um, it's going to be good. So I want to play a little music here for you, and uh, we'll be right back. I know Bloodflower's here. He's going to play us some tunes in a little bit whenever he's ready. Uh, this is a no-pressure zone on the Common Thread Collective, so come on down and join us, and we'd love to have you um, participate. Here's some more music from John DeGarmo and the Bluesberries Jam Band from their album Bluesville Hotel. This is an all-star group, too. Um, you should check it out. Please 
together Our love, it seems so fine All you wanna do is fuss and fight, fuss and fight, fuss and fight All the time I can't sing when I'm feeling low So I guess it's time for me to go I'll tell you Big River down to New Orleans So baby I said baby Please don't cry for me
never meant to
gonna get along
said, please don't call me on the phone. And if you see my lights are burning, keep on going. I never knew you just pretend that I'm not home. Cause you lied and you cheated since the day you met me.
coming the front door, no one can see. And then, baby, it'll be you and me. I'll give you all those things you want. I'm your midnight man.
the best for her, the best that I can. And I find out that she's spending my money on another man. Baby, I'm telling you. I said, baby, I'm telling something to you. I said, what you gonna do? I said, Cause no matter how you run 
tell you a story and I swear that it's true how the song Amazing Grace saved my life and it could save you I was walking in a field now they call Mission Bay it was nighttime and I was all alone Then a man all dressed in black just appeared by my side 
The way he looked chill me to the bone He said, brother, are you called? He was over seven feet tall I said, Lord, this must be the biggest man He had a long black leather cape And a parson's hat on And a Bible clenched tightly in a clawed hand
welcome back to the Common Thread Collective, everybody. I hope you've been enjoying this music as much as we have, just hanging out here at Mutiny Radio. But things are picking up, and all of our friends, or not all of our friends, you're a friend too. Some of our friends have gathered here, new and uh, not so new. And uh, the music you're listening to is John DeGarmo and the Bluesberries Jam Band off their album that came out just this year in March, Bluesville Hotel. So thanks for sticking in. We've got more show for you here. It's only 4.40, so we've got like a good hour. And uh, Blood Flower is our friend out there. First one here, last man standing, Blood Flower. It's uh, got the Melodica. And Joan came in. Good to see Joan Rivard. And we've got a new poetess in the house, too, Julia, who we're going to talk to in a minute. Let's check what mic you're on. You want to take it away, Bloodflower? Yes, yes, ma'am. All right. All right, thank you. Everything cool? What's the number on that? What's the number on that uh, mic stand? One. One. Take it away.
Thank you. Thank you, Blood Flower. That was much, much appreciated. Thank you. Well, that was a good way to, to start off our kind of second set for the day. It's 445 here on the Common Thread Collective, mutinyradio.fm. I'm Global Val here, and our friend Julia is here. Hi, Julia. Hey, how's it going? Really well. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. We're happy to have you. Um, so you, uh, you are a poet, I hear, and uh, our friend Richard Sandrell met you up at the Cafe International. That's right. So, um, how about we just start with a poem? you want to read a poem for us and then we can talk? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Okay. Uh, I'll read one I haven't presented yet. There's a, there's a few that are still in the works. I'm waxing and waning between facets. I'll start over. <laughs> I am waxing and waning between facets of my being. In one lunar cycle, I grow full like my mother, bold, brassy, and unapologetic at times. And then in the same orbit, I hide like my father's drooping lids so quietly that I disappear behind stars that shine more brightly despite distance and time. Yeah. That was a, a celestial cycle poem. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I've got is celestial cycle poems. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> oh no, I love it because I feel like everything that's out there is explaining what's inside of here. Um, it's it's easier to look at the cosmos for a for a metaphor what it's for what's experienced inside, or safer at least. <laughs> yeah, the. Uh the connectivity that we have to everything and all the, the orbits and motions and tides and eclipses and all that. It's, I mean, we're here, we're living beings on, on this, this you know, little luscious planet and uh, very, you know, we're part of it. Yeah, yeah, we are a part of it. It's a beautiful thing to be a part of, actually. Uh, sometimes I get, like, too caught up in it where it's a almost creates like kind of an anxiety where you're like oh my god everything's connected and I'm part of this thing and what I do and say and feel has an impact on what's around me it's easy to forget it this is a, a really cool I think this afternoon's really taken a, an awesome turn or like spin <laughs> I feel like revolution is happening right now Read another one? Yeah, let's read I, some more poetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you know what? I'll read the one. Um, there's something I had scribbled down last week, and I was planning on going to Cafe International to read, and I actually told a few people I would be there before I had something to say. So I found myself showing up at the cafe and just like scribbling something down on a paper really fast. Um, and in the same time frame that... Uh, Patriots, the, what are they called again? The Patriot... The Patriot Prayer Rally. That yeah, the Patriot Prayer Rally had for changed or they changed their minds and they weren't coming. So it was quite a shift, or at least for me. Um, so this is what I read that night. I read, 
I call myself a wolf in sheep's clothing, but the truth is I'm chicken little. The sky is not falling, but we, the people, are cracking, ripping at the seams, pulling red from white, from blue, 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 turning blind eyes to outstretched palms, averting gazes from faces of people we once loved. I'm not the judge, but I'm the culprit of growing up in a system where my voice, though quiet and stuttering, rattles louder than the wandering walk of blistered feet gone mad from messaging, messaging, messaging. Who is even text messaging me? The numbers scramble, I'm frozen watching, disbelief. On the news, the free speech movement is following you like I do not believe I'm the sheep or the lion. I'm up late most nights trying to make meaning out of seeing, to stay put instead of fleeing. Are you agreeing you want to see me leave or pull myself taut with witnessed anxiety? I look at the news and see my own reflection. My own prejudice resides in every headline. We, the people, elected the Donald. The real monster lives inside of me, 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 and you, 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 and society, dee, dee. We, the people, built the walls to protect ourselves from all we thought we knew. But in truth, we know nothing. We created a dream for ourselves where the enemy is everyone but the person inside of you. I fall in love too easily. Believe me, it's by truth. I just look into eyes and realize God is in you, 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 and me, 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 and community, dee, dee. We, the people, elected Obama. We, the people, hated Osama. I need only a glimpse of the sea of tranquility. I'm waltzing with the moon, carrying an eclipse in my pocket. I'm under the microscope of my own closed eye. The moon is my people, for my people and I. Oh, you know what? That's the second half of a different poem. <laughs> we did a mix and match. <laughs> that was, oh, my bad. I think it flowed really well. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> it's really beautiful. I had a number of pages or something, <laughs> or memorize them. <laughs> Memorizing a, is a tough thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough thing to do. I think, like, once it sticks, though, it sticks. Like, lately, what I've been doing to memorize stuff or even just, like, uh, spit out new stuff is just I walk to work every day, so I'll walk to work and just, like, talk to myself and, like, talk it through and be like, we the people elected Obama and just, like, walk down the street and say it over and over and over again. And I blend right in, so nobody really bothers me because they just think I'm crazy, so it, it fits perfectly. Isn't that interesting? Because, you know, you used to see people talking to themselves and you're like, oh, they're crazy. And now people talking to themselves, but they're not actually, they're talking to somebody else. You know, they're like having a conversation. So that the whole normalization of just walking on the street and talking to yourself. Oh, totally. Because of the Bluetooth <laughs> thing. Yeah. Now it's just normal, I guess. <laughs> it still catches me off guard every time, I think. So where'd you come from? How'd you find your way to Half International to read your poetry? Uh, I grew up in, uh, I'm, I'm always so embarrassed to say, I grew up in Orange County in Southern California. And uh, I moved here seven years ago and kind of bounced around. I was living in a garage for a while out in, um, I guess it's like Ingleside, Oceanside area. And then moved in with a friend of mine, found this rent-controlled spot in Lower Haight, not far from Cafe International. And now I'm um, trying to, I'm trying my hand at living alone in the Bay. So... I've been poking around at some spots in the Tenderloin and keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah, right on. Sounds like a, a good good ambition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, it's fun to bounce around from one neighborhood to the next because um, like, so it's, I forget how small San Francisco is. Like, there's not too many degrees of separation between people I knew in one neighborhood versus another neighborhood, even though they're culturally pretty vastly different. Yeah, not too much, uh, not too much distance. Just a few hills. Mm -hmm. um, and we got Joan with us here too. 
Joan Rivard, you came in person. What do you think about what what's been going on here? Well, <clears throat> I think a lot of things. I'm trying to hold back a little before I explode. Uh, well, one thing I do want to say <laughs> is that the P- Patriot Prayer, the name is a little bit misleading. Uh, well, a lot misleading because I'm not sure how much they're patriots trying to take away our liberties and you know, enforce all these uh, very mean-spirited legislations, some of the, the people that belong to these types of groups, some of them. Um, <clears throat> but the fact, is, and the fact is, as far as the prayer, the, a lot of the churches that some of these types of people believe in, that believe in the Republican agenda, and that you have to vote anti-abortion and anti-gay no matter what, no matter what else is going to come with it, is the, they're not reading the Bible correctly. Um, I know that sounds very inflammatory, but the fact is Jesus didn't teach the majority of the things that they teach. He, he didn't teach, uh, you know, slaves obey your masters, obey every ordinance of man, uh, idolaters are worthy of death, and so is a long list of other people. He didn't teach the doctrine of the fall of man and uh, the, uh, that all are born in sin, that does not come from him when you look at the King James Version of the Bible. So um, I'm saying that, uh, you know, us hippies have got a great big prayer, mm-hmm. and, and it's that the golden rule be followed in our legislations, in, in our dealings with each other, uh, in our social systems, everything. The golden rule is the key, but they're, they're kind of, a lot of the churches are kind of ignoring it. Uh, you know, they're teaching, the, the, and it's not their fault, uh, when people believe that the entire Bible is perfect, what they're believing is that the teachings of Paul the Apostle are equal to the things that it says Jesus actually said. And in studying the document very carefully, like you would study a legal document, I learned, like many have, that uh, Jesus didn't teach the majority of the doctrines that these churches, these Republican uh, wealthy giant churches, what they're teaching doesn't come from the Jesus that they claim to respect. Or the books of Mary Magdalene or the books of Thomas that were removed by the Roman Catholic Church hundreds of years after the original New T- Testament. I think, yeah, all the Abrahamic religions pretty much liberate a woman's right to choose, for example, over her body. That's not legislated in Christianity, or in Islam, or in Judaism. It's a modern artifact of patriarchy. Actually, um, I I don't mean to contradict, but it's not modern. It was bad the second Paul the Apostle wrote it down. Uh, He's the one that added the shame of the body. Jesus never said any such thing. He's the one that added women, obey your husbands, because Eve gave him the fruit, and so, when he, con- when he was condemned, all mankind was condemned. None of that comes from Jesus. It all comes from one man, Paul the Apostle, and whoever it was that got hold of his writings and, and added stuff. And part of stuff. his jealousy that the first apostle to appear in the legend to the resurrected Christ was Mary Magdalene. So the first pope should have been her. And I think that's the fundamental part where yeah. they like called Mary Magdalene a prostitute and then uh, hundreds of years later apologized but that's not really what's remembered but yeah 
They're not reading it very carefully because uh, I think there's this. three different women that actually wash this, at least two, and they're two separate women. The, the woman who is a prostitute washes his feet at the Pharisee's house where he has dinner, and the Pharisee says, why are you letting this woman touch you? And he says, oh, well, she washed my feet. You didn't do anything for me, you know. And then the other completely separate woman is the sister of Lazarus, who Jesus rose from the dead, uh, it says. And um, she, uh, she lives in a house. Her sister is Martha. She's making dinner for Jesus and his friends. And she sits at his feet, listening to him. And complain the, her sister complains that she's letting her do all the work. And Jesus says, well, she's choosing the better thing, sitting here listening to me. You know, because I won't always be here. I've, uh, I've looked into the, the Bible. It's, it's something that I actually studied. I used to study on a daily basis, and including the King James Version. It's interesting to hear that that's the, the one that you follow, because that's a really, um, that's kind of a purist approach to it, that the King James one is the correct one. Am I wrong in saying that? Well, I have a very specific reason for choosing the King James. It's, I don't think any of them are correct. King James <laughs> has been messed with in time. Amen. We don't I know. Hey, woman. That. The thing that hey, I took away from the Bible, um, in every single version or testament and book, and I went through and took notes of it, took it apart, put it back together again, is the way that the Bible, for me, always felt like a parable. Like, all of these characters and um, actions and the washing of the feet and even Jesus himself felt like some sort of personification of something that I personally experience or I am individually in the world and so it was hard for me to ever uh, tell somebody that they were interpreting it wrong or uh, just weren't well read on it because people kind of take from what they want from things like, like even perhaps it's archetypal mythology that actually predated we know that from like the stories of Isis and Osiris. Well, yeah, the Old Testament Haru, definitely has that, something you know, to the do with Haru, that. Haru, the son of Isis, who was born without Osiris's penis, <laughs> so born of a virgin. Right. Um, that son named Haru, spelled similarly in those days, that these are, I think, I agree with you. I feel like these are uh, archetypal mythology that resonate with all of us in our own life experience, and they're here to tell us a story totally. from our elders. And we are still kind of fabricating our own versions of religion with books and movies and television shows because you can play the same TV program to three different people, and each of them will take away a different message. They'll probably pick the one that resonates with them most or the one that they feel is most relatable to them and probably not the message that's most contradictory to their belief systems. Well, I, I want to explain why I picked the King James and what exactly my agenda is. I have an agenda in doing all this. I'm a writer. I wrote a book called uh, The Liberal's Bible Guide, uh, God's Message to Tree Huggers. <laughs> and what it does is it breaks down the scriptures. It's made up entirely of scriptures, and it separates what it says Jesus actually said while he was up walking around, not after he rose, not in somebody's dream or vision or trance. And it separates it from what Paul added what Paul's friends added, what other guys added, and you can see it. It's as plain as day. And, and, and the reason it's the, I picked the King James because that's the one that mostly the religions have used to mess up our laws. 
that's the one they've used to make liberals look bad. That's true. That's the one they've used all the way through, you know, from the Puritans and Martin Luther oh, and yeah. all of them. To, to keep other people down and have you worship something above and then fabricating what it is that is above them mm. and saying worship this and don't listen to anybody else. Well, Idolaters are worthy the of death. That is that what it said. version of the Bible came out um, as part of um, industrialization and the ability for people, humanity, to mass print something. No, so. I'm saying that from the beginning, the second Paul wrote it down, it was nasty and horrible and deadly. You know, slaves obey your masters, idolaters are worthy of death, women obey your husbands, you're all born in sin, you are condemned. These things are not what Jesus taught. And they've made people as mean as can be, a lot of here, them. Here. They've been a stumbling block for mankind. Yeah. They've slammed the door to people's face about God because they think, well, God's going to burn me in hell. you know. And then hell turns out to be the trash dump outside of Jerusalem called Gehenna, where they burn dead bodies with fire and brimstone, which is never quenched. And he says it. Uh, it's, it is said 12 times in one of the books, two times in the other, and one in one, and... In John, the one who really knew Jesus, it doesn't mention it at all. It doesn't mention demons. It doesn't even mention the, the doctrine of the blood and the wine turning into his body. That's not in the Gospel of John. This context, though, of the industrialization of man is really interesting, though. It's worth mentioning because there was a time period when people were paying priests to read them the Bible because people were illiterate. They couldn't read for themselves. They were so killing people if they read the Bible. Exactly, <laughs> so Catholicism and Christianity started out as a, as a business, and just like any other business, they're trying to make money, which they're not gonna create anything beautiful or loving or uh, empowering to the people or the communities because the end game is to make a buck. The point I'm trying to make it with all this is that the, the Christian right is behind the Republican business agenda and their belief about Jesus is wrong. It's dead wrong. It's not from Jesus. When you look at the things, you can tell which things Jesus said in the four gospels because they come from a different document called Gospel Q and which was lost. And when you look at those red letters, they're like night and day between them and the other black letters all around them. Uh, they're, they're so sublime, they're so simple. You know, all these teachers of all these religions, they don't come up with anything more supreme than uh, do unto others as you would. And it doesn't even come from him. It comes from the Old Testament. He said, those who hear my words and do them, those are the ones that love me, not the ones who worship me and say, Lord, Lord. He said, why do you call me Lord? I call you my friends. Mm. Um, you know, the point getting, I'm making getting is... Getting misrepresented, uh, I think, as we're saying, is a historical misrepresentation that has been... Um, uh, that has propagated itself through generations and generations into what we see in, in a, I think what you're saying is, is in, in a, an American sense of uh, where Christianity has, has manifested in many ways is that hierarchy, that patriarchy that we see as a system that you're saying is false historically. It doesn't come from Jesus. It comes from Paul the Apostle, all his buddies. Two of them wrote two of the Gospels. Mark and Luke wrote the Gospels. They were Paul's friends. Allegedly, they, they wrote the Gospels. And also the Book of Acts, which sets up this whole church thing with tithing and, and hierarchies. And, you know, that didn't come from Jesus either. 
could I read one? Oh yeah, you have yeah from Peace Drums. Absolutely. I would like to. I, I would I, like yeah, to. I love your poetry. Add this to and it because I have a I have a vision of you know the 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 peace uh, peace people the the uh, pacifists uh, they're the ones that could save the planet you know they're the children of the people who care about this country I mean all of us care they're, they're very important people anyway I, I'll read this <clears throat> and it's part of my book which is uh, about to be called Peace Drums Woodstock's Vision Now from Haight-Ashbury and Beyond and, and this part of the book is mostly about the the uh, homeless people, the homeless youth that live in Golden Gate Park and, and how they are the remnant of that great summer of love and they still wear those kind of clothes, a lot of them, and they live outside, but they have a, an amazing spiritual approach to life. But I wrote this, Constellations, it's just part of it. It's about something I, I, I wear, <laughs> my, my work clothes, I call them. It was the most beautiful tie-dye being sold on the hate. The colors vibrated with rainbow lights. The rich, heavy cloth had complex patterns of starbursts and areas that looked like constellations in the universe. The cloth seemed alive and to flash and vibrate. It was hard to imagine how such amazing effects could be made with simple tie-dyeing, and it turned out that it wasn't the only method used. Some of it had actually been painted on by hand. The most gorgeous items in the store were, were on a deep turquoise background. There was something uplifting about the blue cloth and the electric rainbow patterns. There was something in it that spoke about liberty, maybe ecstasy. There were even political statements in it. Only someone who believes in freedom would wear these clothes. Only someone who has a positive view of mankind and a hope for the future would dress in rainbows. I tried on a skirt, a top, a sort of long vest, and an intricately made long sleeve jacket, all of the same gorgeous material. The hems of each were uneven and fell in graceful layers one over the other. The skirt hung down in points, some parts shorter than others, so that I still wore a full dark blue skirt underneath that reached the ground. These clothes are made to make an, an ordinary woman feel and look like a queen, not a drone or a peon. That, that's another thing that's real political about them. Oops, sorry, dropped something. Is there a light that I could turn on? A light? Yeah. Oh, right there, please. Thank you. Oh, that's better. Looking at the mirror, I felt transformed. These clothes were not only comfortable, but also flattering. They hid all the flaws in a woman's figure and directed attention toward her face. There was no forced display of sexuality in them. At the same time, they were deeply feminine. The cloth was heavy and seemed to embrace me. I could feel the weight of the rich layers flowing over me. This is what I wanted to be when I grew up. Looking back at me from the mirror was a person who was living what she believed in with confidence. As bright as tie-dye, as loud as peace drums, the ideals these clothes stand for are powerful. They're the same concepts Jesus talked about when he said to love your neighbor as yourself. I had no choice but to put down a large sum of money. It was an investment in what I like to call the movement. 
that push for peace and civility and kindness that ignites millions around the globe. The golden rule screams out from the beautiful colors and images the peacemakers like to adorn themselves with. The Bill of Rights is evident in the loose, flowing styles that don't constrict the way the establishment's manufactured clothing. America has a great resource and a great gift that it's not using. The long-haired pacifists and their culture are uniquely American. Much of the beautiful rock music about saving the world came from our own garage bands. Things Jesus taught about love and forgiveness fill up the travel-worn journals in the backpacks of the homeless youth, more than most people would ever realize. The desire to make just laws and treat people with respect is at the heart of what is now often called the consciousness movement. The notion that people should be free and not always hemmed in by artificial things is the, is the same belief in the pursuit of happiness which the nation's founders embraced. How often have rich and poor, all races and different kinds of people gotten together the way they do when it comes to this? We should be proud that this rare historical phenomena took place so powerfully on our shores in our offspring. The lurid media images put out to demonize them, the sleaze, are not them. The weird bands with mean, mean faces, the emphasis on sex and things that most of us aren't comfortable with were added by others. The golden rule, plain and simple, is what these people are into. Negative propaganda about them is as different from who they are as Paul the Apostle's violent doctrines are different from what the Bible says Jesus taught. It was those raised on the American dream at the time, with mostly secure families and homes, who'd had the confidence to advance such vital concepts. They were proposing that mankind should finally free itself from the kind of dominance imposed by alpha apes in the jungle. They were actually saying that people were created for better things than to go after each other's throats and scrape just to survive. What Jesus had taught, when looked at separately from what other Bible writers added to it, is merely the way civilized people behave. Dressed in all this, I walked out onto Hate Street, amid the tourists and the house free. That's what I call the homeless. I had not wanted to change out of the new clothes and had instead placed the ones I'd been wearing in the bag. Down the crowded, crowded sidewalk I moved, layers of rainbow cloth billowing like si sails as I walked. The reaction to my clothes was instantaneous. Everyone smiled as I went by or flashed a peace sign. The tourists took pictures. These bright colors, the free flowing of the rich folds of cloth, meant something to them that moved them deeply. Wow. Joan Rivard, that was... Uh, lovely, yeah. That was beautiful. We, we, we Absolutely beautiful. I feel like I, I saw the whole tapestry of it. Mm. Yeah. Next week I'll wear it. <laughs> it's too hot today. You still have Not that outfit. <laughs> You're amazing. I'm so glad you made it down here today. It's been nice to have you call in recently too. You've been out of the state and you got to call in a few times. Yes, after I went to the uh, rainbow gathering in Oregon, I, I called from uh, Colorado where they were getting ready to put on another small gathering in Colorado, which has already taken place. And um, I got to go 
uh, with Marty Hartsong, who's very well known uh, to, to the Rainbow Gathering for many years. He's one of the organizers. And, um, you know, I might be singing my own heart song here at this microphone f now, after uh, next time and other times. I have a lot I want to say about, uh, you know, how important the, these people are that believe in peace, understanding, cooperation. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not just some little fad that went by. It's, it's, it's the whole planet awakening to something better. You know, for us to, to be living in a civilized yeah. way and not hurt each other anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. A woman. A woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here to sing your heart song. There is few places I could think of that the com more than the common thread where we are invited to sing your heart song here. <laughs> so, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Okay, good. I'm glad you're here. It's good to see everybody. Um, we've got Julia here still doing some poetry. We've got Mona Lisa Wallace, who's been part of the conversation as well. What a lovely kind of uh, this, this, this hot day. But I, I think we're, we're uh, seeing through some of the smoke screen, perhaps. And speaking of peacemakers, um, Mona Lisa, you want to talk about peace in the park or invite people out to it? It's pretty exciting. I don't know if you heard, Val, but wavy gravy's coming. <laughs> Wavy gravy. I know. And there's an all-star family band. That's right. Coming out. Sunshine Garcia. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really excited about September 23rd. I'm hoping everyone comes out to enjoy a beautiful day in Golden Gate Park and celebrate peace within and through our shared consciousness, the peace that we can create in the world. Val's going to be emceeing, right, Val? That's right. We're going to be uh, pumping the, the, the love uh, out into the, the peace, peace Day, Peace in the Park. It's the fifth annual Peace in the Park, so it's something that happens uh, not only across the country but around the world, this Peace in the Park festival that um, kind of in conjunction with United Nations International Day of Peace, which is two days prior yeah, to, the, to this year. year's festival. September 21st every year is the International Day of Peace. And every single day of every single year, we have to be conscious to who is homeless, who's getting bombed, who got bombed last year and is still homeless. Like We really have to be conscious of the effects of war all over the planet all year long. But it's one day a year where we can really make sure that we're all really paying attention to the impact of uh, the failure of governance, which is what war is, on humanity and all of our brothers and sisters all the way, all around the world. A woman, we do. We was talking to, um, earlier in the show, we were talking to our friend Lucid, who's down in Houston right now with the Altruist Relief Group. Um, and they're doing their they're bringing down uh, kitchens, supplies. They've got a van full of food uh, there. And they they were in Turkey earlier this year, uh, the island of Lesbos. 
um, where so many refugees from all over the world are coming to uh, to process to try to get into Europe, kind of the gateway to Europe through Greece. And um, we <laughs> I guess that's the, the good news, right? That is the good news. Is it like that is the, the good news. Where we have um, regular patriarchies failing us like they did with Sandy, like they, w- they did with Katrina, that we have people from the community reaching out and, you know, they have like ships that go out and like handle like abortions even, like they have like seriously like women's health care roving clinics and online solutions and we've now we have cryptocurrency and i think that like the the people are rising up from everywhere to solve all of our problems collectively like they did in the summer of love and that we're we're seeing that that growth happen from within and that's really good news thanks for sharing that val yeah yeah all from within i think that's the that's the key we all have so much to share so we're creative beings you know that that kind of flows through us naturally and um you know whatever whatever you're good at whatever you're doing you know do it (laughs) remember when diamond dave went to the east coast because of hurricane city remember oh my god the those were some of so uh yeah hurricane sandy dave went to um occupy sandy and for like weeks and they would call into the show it was actually i think one of like the best eras of the common thread collective was that summer because people were there and my favorite moment was we were talking to all these folks it was occupy it was like post occupy we're going to go over and like help people in hurricane sandy because fema's not helping them like the people are on the street they live in this neighborhood and one of the women who would call in and be part of the conversations was from there and then there were other people who who came through and somebody uh, somebody got on the phone and told how he just wanted to go and help he's a cook and he didn't know what he was going to do he went to different like you know aid agencies and they turned him away and then he ended up finding the um it was the uh the fire it was like there was like a firehouse or something kind of kitchen forget the name of it um where they were all set up and he just happened to walk in and they're like yeah we're feeding like 1500 people a day let's get on it brother and they were just like he said it was exactly what, what i wanted to do and i could do it and so you know i think when you when you have that that impetus you know that like drive or that dream you know like i this is what i gotta do you know maybe you don't know what it looks like maybe like try a couple different things and it's not what happens and then it it happens and just you know kind of keep follow follow that light you never know and then work together when you find it right on and not rely on you know a capitalist industrial complex that doesn't necessarily actually have a human heart or care about actual human beings. Right, because corporations are not people. They are not. And so as a species, I think we can be aware of that distinction and support one another and not look to these corporations or governances to um, tell us when we should or shouldn't let our brothers and sisters in the world starve or be cold or you know not have shelter from the bombs that our tax dollars buy i think it's amazing that um whatever it is that we do and each of us has our own different craft or multiple crafts uh, and we're all kind of driven by the same shared goal to 
leave the world a better place and to make a positive impact. And it's interesting that that same collective unconscious conscious can uh, drive us to create beautiful things or share conversations or connect with people on, in a positive way. It's, uh, well, I have been really uh, moved by this afternoon's conversations. And um, it's really a pleasure to be a part of the Common Thread Collective um, so we can have these conversations. And I want to read a poem. Um, and speaking of those who are um, lost for some reason um, and needing to, this is kind of dedicated to anyone who's ever, you know, walked away from home knowing that they may never go back. Mm. I think about my ancestors, some of my ancestors who like came, you know, to North America and just like walked away, got on a ship and never went back. You know, it's just like people starting new lives. And um, that's what's happening right now on a mass scale. It's a huge migration of, of humanity right now and we can't ignore it. So this is called the fabric of society. Voyager, emigrant, refugee. What can you carry across the sea? Grandmother's recipes stuffed into your basket. A little cash stuffed into your bra. A packet of your favorite heirloom seeds and dreams of the soil that it may feed. Compelled to leave with a head full of curls and the need to breathe free. Free from the noxious gases, from the warring factions, from the abject poverty. Free from the small minds of kings and priests and families. What would you do? What would you take with you if you were forced to leave with only your bravery? Mm. Would you, like our Syrian sister from Aleppo, fashion a dress to remember all that you know? Features of an ancient city, now bombed, its people and landmarks gone. But she wears her home on her sleeve and in her pleats, reaching for sanctuary, for hands to hold, for the door open, for warmth in the cold so that she may live to be the bold, beautiful, brilliant adventurer inside us all. Thanks for being here today. It's my birthday party. <laughs> um, thank you, Richard. And Richard has something he's going to share with us soon. Yes. You can do me a thumbs up if you if you if you're feeling it. Oh, okay. I got the message. I got the message. Uh, we hope you all you folks out there are are uh, getting getting the message. <laughs> We're here. We peaceful folks. Um, sending our love and, and wish for creativity out to everybody around the planet or beyond. And uh, yeah, this is the Common Thread Collective. We're sending our love to Diamond Dave who couldn't make it down here today. But um, we'll certainly, we're, just, we're still going. We've got another about 20 minutes of the show. Uh, 
and that was that was kind of a well I'll, I'll leave it at that that was kind of a heavy poem but I'll read a, I'll read a lighter one later I promise so let me I'm gonna put on a little bit of music here and then um, then we'll be right back
Well, you know, sometimes you try not to have dead air. You always try to not have dead air. But sometimes it happens. The Common Thread Collective. It's a lackadaisical afternoon here. You're wondering why. Because it is hot. Hot, 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 hot. City usually doesn't get like this. Um, C'est la vie. Here we be. As you see, uh, mutinyradio.fm. And I see familiar friends in the faces of strangers reminding me how just how close our genomes collaborate and the force of our hearts bittersweet comfort having enjoyed a smile on behalf of a memory and i see a real friend out there wind songs out there it's good to see you i see you brought a mandolin and uh, although i it's, it's oh what is it again the bazooki, the bazooki, that's right. Such a special instrument. Um, thank you for coming down here today. I'll put on a little music if you want to get set up to play with, a, um, with our microphones as we do. I gotta play something a little different. We gotta bring this up a little bit. I played this one earlier, but it's a hot day and I'm gonna play it again because it's my birthday. And this is a fun way to spend it. Thanks, everybody, for being part of the Common Thread Collective. Uh, We love being here to uh, be a platform for expression, even when it's hot, hot, hot. In the shade, real hot. In the shade, 96 degrees. Shade, hot, oh yes, in the shade. Lots of love to everybody out there, and uh, we've got a very special um, moment coming up here with uh, Wind Song on their beautiful bazooki, and Zuli is with her as well. Welcome, Wind Song. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Global Bow. Thank you to the Common Thread Collective. Feeling a lot of love for this community right now, um, 
and just um, I'm working on carrying that that inward calm. I feel like um, in this this heat wave in San Francisco and this like crazy wave nationally, um, cultivating an inward calm and just having like this like deep pool inside that's cool and and still. Um, we can face all of these things, whether it's like anger from an individual or like a crazy political climate, any of that, you know, you just, you work on, on this, this inward sense of calm and being able to roll through those things and, um, and come out the other side, uh, with peace to offer the world. So, um, I have a song to offer for the show. It comes from the Dances of Universal Peace tradition. returns of the day and blessings on our community. Thank you. <laughs> so special. So special. I see the theme um, has emerged today as it does on the Common Thread Collective. The theme emerges as we say. Wow. I'm kind of set into a different place and I should have some peaceful music to like put on in the background because I'm the DJ here and that's what I'm supposed to do <laughs> but I see so many wonderful people around that I 
I'd rather look at their faces than, than work and do, put things on a screen. Um, anyhow. <laughs> it's my birthday, and it's hot. I'm a little, go, going and just, a, you know, just operating very, very uh, mellow, mellow frequency here. There's still cookies, too, and they're really good. That's right. There are still cookies.
the Common Thread Collective having a shanti shanti afternoon here. But we're we've got a few more minutes here before we wrap up, about five to ten minutes. And another dear friend just came in, EK Keith. Welcome, EK. Good to Hello, see you. Val. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. I'm happy, happy to be almost alive. Birthday. Almost it is birthday. good to be alive, isn't it? It is. It is. I'd like to continue to do so for a very long time. Amen, sister. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, you want to hear a poem or what? I always want to hear a poem from you, E.K. Well, you know, while yes, my uh, while my family in Houston was like uh, doing a hurricane. Oh my God! <laughs> they're good. They're made with rum. They're kind of pink. They're oh big yeah, they're kind drinks. of a New Orleans. They were drink. invented in New Orleans. Yeah, I, I recommend it. Actually, it's and they're over ice. Huh? They have that in New Orleans. Drive-through hurricanes. Mm-hmm. It's like a slurpy thing with rum in it. Yeah. Drive-through. Exactly. <laughs> or like you can have them blended, or you can have them over ice, which is also good. I want Elvis to serve it to me out of the window, though. <laughs> <laughs> you want Elvis to serve you a hurricane? That's right. In the drive-through. <laughs> hurricane Elvis would be cool. No, maybe not. No. <laughs> oh, EK, I'm glad what? you came in. It's, we needed to lighten things up. I felt like well, I was okay, of like sliding you know, into the so I, valley I, like a slab of rock. So I was on the phone to my family a lot, right? You know, and so there's, it's just, you know, disaster all around or whatever. Everybody's cool, you know. We are thinking about all the people who are having a lot of problems right now. And like, chemical plants are blowing up now that's that's next it's kind of it's difficult there it's pretty difficult in houston right now and kind of the whole like gulf coast so that's wacky but yeah i was talking on the phone to everybody and you know it's interesting like people deal with the things that they have to deal with Hmm. human resilience Mm -hmm. it's pretty good and then got into a lot of like sort of conversations about like the relative difficulty of earthquake versus hurricane (laughs) and my conclusion was it's always bad if a building falls on you no matter what causes it (laughs) it's a very good point it's a very good point yeah so i'm glad your family's well yeah hey have you been out protesting lately like while there's bad weather in texas like there's been like white supremacists in san francisco well there have always been white supremacists in san francisco well that's that's true, but I know what you're saying, though. But I, not, I know what not you're referencing. Quite so, oh, I don't know. Outspoken. Yeah. It's unseemly, really. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a strange flare up in 2017. It is. It's a flare up. It's of, a flare up of racism. I don't yeah. like it. Yeah. Well, hopefully, it's, it's a, like other things. It's like you know, once it burns the gas, you know, it just like dissipates and the air is clear. And there are a lot of groups out there who are, like, trying to help people recover from hate. That's right. You know? Like, there's That's really, pretty cool, huh? Yeah, they're like, yeah, I, they used to be hateful people and, you know, and in some sort of, you know, whatever degree of, of extremeness that they felt they needed to go to, like, hate rehab. But I'm not going to diminish that, uh, you know, as kind of, you know, it's a recovery from a belief system that was imposed on you at one point or another, and then you break free of it, and you realize that this is a really hard thing to deal with because, like, everything you've ever known has been challenged. Right. And, and then, and then but, but, like, the beautiful part of it is that you're kind of driven towards, towards a, a sense of, of love and acceptance and 
Um, you know, so it's a it's an arc of experience, and I hope that we have more conversations to uh, see what kind of common grounds you know we're, we're working towards. But we do Agreed. just have a, a few more minutes, and I th oh yeah, uh, we have about six minutes, so um, we c we can talk more. Yeah, we can we can we can talk. I so, know you have a poem. So you know, uh, here's something that that I. I wrote, it's called, Be Careful What You Wish For. I think of all the times I've hoped that more people would get off their couches, get out of the house, get involved. And now we have. And this is not what I wanted at all. Not the violence, not the death. And why have we turned against each other? We're lost, and I hope we find our place someplace where we can live and let live again. But the white supremacists are coming to San Francisco next weekend, and I will stand, cardboard in hand. There you go, EK. Yeah, so that's what I wrote before we chased the white supremacists away. It went quite well. <laughs> well, it was like double cancellation. Cancellation, cancellation. Yeah. This little group that was like, uh, no, no, okay, no. Oh, what's behind us? Uh, the the Pacific Ocean, the mouth of the bay. We can't run away from these from these angry peace mobs. <laughs> I guess we're angry probably not mobs. not gonna go to Christie Field anymore. <laughs> Maybe we'll go to Alamo Square. We don't have a permit. Good luck. Yeah, Shut good down. Good luck with that. Shut down. Uh, the park's closed today. So we'll just have an <laughs> interview from our hotel room and we'll keep the curtain shut, which is what happened. But um, you know. I hope we can still have uh, Richard Sandrell. I want to just jump in and say thank you so much for coming down here today. I know you just had a mellow afternoon, but I appreciate you visiting and, and bringing your offerings. Well, there was a lot that had to be said, so let it be said. Thank you, and thank you for introducing us to the oh, poet uh, Julia. And there's more, more in the wings. More in the wings, thank because you. Richard is an intergenerational uh, scout to uh, a beacon to get people of all generations working together and creating together and sharing them that way, which as we do here on The Common Thread. I'm so interested in the, the I'm so interested in the First Amendment issues and, you know, and also just the dynamic of being, you know, played with, like, you know, toyed with as far as a movement, like, really, we're all going to go show up for what we already, you know, really, is that really what we're going to do? And why and when and how, you know, we're being reactive instead of proactive, which is why I'm excited about Peace Day, because it's a proactive day. It is a proactive day. And also, I want to remind people that there's also the People's Congress being held at Howard University September 16th and 17th in Washington, D.C. Um, to try to, you know, make our way forward. Yeah. And, you know? Um, so all, all good, peaceful progress. I can, I can support the peaceful progress. And here we are uh, wrapping up our show here today. I have a feeling there might be a latecomer uh, running in the door with some sort of bouquet, but... That could happen in the next 12 minutes, but we'll see. Um, but coming up next is the uh, the Mutiny Radio 
happy hour open mic that goes from six to eight and then pam tastic's comedy clubhouse which is always uh, a, a, a rollicking time every friday night that's a that's a curated show um so that's going to be happening tonight from eight to ten we're here at mutiny radio you're listening to the common thread collective um, Global Val, and uh, we're sending our love out to Diamond Dave. You know, it's just too hot today. Yeah. You know, you got to rest up. Um, so that's the way it is. And a good reminder here to stay hydrated. Um, make sure that you're you're doing okay, and then then check on the people around you, and stay in the shade, and wear a hat or sunscreen if you're outside. Um, also be aware of the uh, draw for AC around the state right now. So if you can plug, unplug anything when you're not using it or turn off lights that we don't need um, at any given time, especially in the afternoon, uh, you could be a part of the solution. That's right. And make sure that people's AC don't, you know, bust out and then and then and then they're left with with the the stifling heat. Um, Buh. <laughs> Buh. I know it is a little warm and also look both ways before you cross the street mm. mm-hmm. and and don't get angry like people get a little testy in the heat absolutely I, I mean I do I, if anybody who listens regularly can tell the just the difference in the tone <laughs> like whoa okay hot day you know mm-hmm. and it gives me you know, puts you at a lower lower thing um, I want to read a poem and I thought of you after I wrote this poem because oh, yeah. I read it out loud and I'm like that kind of sounds like EK but it's only because you have a laundry poem um, so but this has the word laundry in it and there right. he is James Leon Ellis Alice. yeah welcome to the show happy birthday, happy birthday to everyone Yay. you come here to put on a, a to uh, pr- present something to us yes, oh wonderful But my, while you guys set that up, it's a short poem. It's a solar eclipse, so I'm doing laundry. Those whites are looking pretty dirty. Time for a rinse, a ring, a revitalization. Illumination comes in the shadows and the grays. Night visits upon the day. A whole glow of rotation and transition orbiting into obstruction. Light decides who gets a wink. Soon, that dark noon washes away with subtle suds and little agitation. A subtle paradox of progress, ready-made for a new day. Yeah, Val. Shedding light here. And looks like blood flowers at the piano. And James Ellis is going to be up at another microphone. Thank you. Thank you, James. Always good to see you. Welcome back. Thank you. Love you. Love you. In the rodeo ring, the trumpeting clown is there to distract. It's a ploy. So bull may not attack cowboy the cowboy rides the bull for a profit from money 
perverting nature to serve as his own private industry. Right, lucrative war contracts into perpetuity. And a cowboy general rides the bully bully soldier to kill stranger, to kill and kill more. While Wild Bill Media Circus sells tickets to CNN spectator audience selling war door to door. The bull. Let's see this clearly. The bull is made of seven and a half billion cells of expansive creative potentiality. Muscle and bone. Infinite vitality. It pulls the plow. It revels in the green of the grass of its now. It frolics with cow. Peacefully. It well smells wild flower under tree as Ferdinand. Yeah, man. You know, a rodeo in the end is a show, a ceremony, like a democracy where popular vote counts not and governments are installed by plutocracy. I'm not here to advocate for war. I'm not here to point out the bull's horns may turn in gore. I'm not here to mourn bulls fall to slaughterhouse floor. That is a blame game, friends. And that slope is slippery, is bloody, is self-righteous anger masking self-pity. We are free. Or we are cowboys next stake. That's what's at stake. Let's say this. In the consciousness that is love, where there is no audience, in that silence, the bull is, mm, the cowboy is seen, and the clown fails distract with that compassion which is intelligence which is love which am us we may act Let's hear it, everybody, for getting through this hot afternoon and, and spreading so much, uh, well, so much powerful, powerful positivity, powerful visions, and connecting with everybody. Thank you so much, everybody, for coming down. Uh, thank, you, thank you, James, for that piece. Thank you, Bloodflower, for playing on the piano. Everyone who came, who's here right now is very special to me, and uh, I'm so, I'm such a lucky girl. <laughs>
And I was really looking forward to Peace in the Park on September 23rd. I'll be one of the MCs for that day. Come out to the music concourse in Golden Gate Park. That's the band shell between the museums. And it's from 11 to 6, all day, free admission, open space. Um, there's fun for families. There's kids art and there's going to be yoga and meditation. There's going to be a talks tent um, with lots of amazing folks showing up through there. So maybe some poetry in there as well. Um, and then on the main stage, we're going to have uh, peace awards for some of the local people in our communities who have been, you know, doing so much um, so that we can kind of recognize and, and see one another. But uh, the, the message of the day is peace and is to see through this darkness and elevate ourselves and each other um, and uplift the vibration of our planet. So uh, come on out, peaceinthepark.sf.org. Uh, new information will be popping up there daily. And uh, we'll see you back here next week on mutinyradio.fm. Peace. And we love you. We love you, Diamond Dave. Does everybody shout for do a rainbow family? We love you for Diamond Dave. One, two, three. What, do it again. One, two, three. We love you. Oh yeah, coming out. That's all, folks. Um, thank you for being here. Stay tuned because there's more mutiny on the way. Uh, Pamtastic, our fantastic uh, station director, manager, who totally holds it down. She'll be 